Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. This is Chase Thompson. I'm Jeremy Duvall. And I'm Rob Enough, And we're here to do a Thanksgiving episode, guys. Are you guys excited? Oh, yeah. Ooh. For sure. Well, I'm super pumped. Uh, a lot to be thankful for. Chase and I just got back from the forge gt in homestead alabama it was an amazing amazing time we played each other in the first round and we cannot wait to share this story i have hinted at it on facebook it's like man when you guys hear this story you're just gonna it's unbelievable was this a challenge or was it you just happened yeah. to get okay it was a challenge well i go to them into it yeah we were doing the, the herd army review and he was kind of like oh so we're gonna play in the first round right <laughs> hint hint i was like okay let's do it yeah before we get there how's everybody doing what's uh what what, what are the big plans for thanksgiving Jeremy, what do you got going on? Not much. I'm I'm actually have a pretty low key holiday this year. Uh, I'm just getting a lot of painting, getting ready to go to uh, Texas the first weekend in December for Mark Cox doubles event. So that's pretty much all I've been doing now for a couple weeks. Is just like huge amount. I'm getting a lot done in a short time. Not because I'm going faster, but because I'm just spending more hours. Doing it? <laughs> How are you playing with at Mark's event? Lloyd Christmas. The tournament's in the first weekend of December, and I got my Twilight Kin early, mid November, and it's uh, eleven hundred points aside. So it's uh, eleven hundred points in a month, and I'm pretty happy with the quality. Yeah, it looks great. It normally takes you about a year to do eleven hundred points, doesn't it? I know. I know. This has been crazy. <laughs> just like that's all I've been. Literally, I've been painting like oh, just crazy, crazy amounts. A lot of Night Stalkers painted, or is it going to be mostly Twilight? Game? So far, I've gotten a Phantom's Troops done. I've gotten a Horde of Impalers done. Uh, I'm almost done with my first skiffs. So my list that I'm taking with me is uh, a Horde of Impalers, two regiments of skiffs, two troops of Phantoms, a uh, Planner Apparition, a Navigator, and a Crone. So all things that are in my 2300-point list. And some of the stuff I had done right, Rob, when I was doing Twilight Kin before, like I'm going to bring my what I what an, a model that I had for my planer, all my heroes. Uh, eventually, I'll redo them in Mantic, but for now, I'm just using the ones I've done already. Awesome. Well, let's get into a hobby update. Chase, start us off. I know you've been busy. Uh, so I've been working on uh, Ratkins, the next army. Uh, so I got multiple heroes on the uh, on the table right now. I got the uh, Scourier Master, a couple Brute Enforcers, a uh, Mother cries a model that I'm kind of making up out of the Mantic Broodmother with some other bits and bobs from Mantic stuff. Uh, and then I got about a uh, hundred rat spears I got to make because they just got super, super cheap. So time to get those all painted up too. And Jeremy, I know you're Twilight Kid all the time right now. Yeah. Like I said, uh, uh, I got two units of the, well, I got the one, one Phantoms done, which are the old mantic uh night soccer's uh which is interesting rob because we were having a conversation about this on facebook somewhere so they sell the phantoms in boxes of six so to me whether like the whole debate of like minimal model count preferred model count bases full or whatever 
if a regiment of phantoms comes from mantic with six models that's how many are troop that's how many is going to be in my troop if they're selling you a troop and that's what they give you then that's what you should put on the base yeah that was, I saw. I saw the same uh, argument brought up in a post on uh, on Fanatics the other day, asking about that same question. I was like, "Yeah, if they sell you a box of six, then six is the number, right?" So shall it be. The reason why it's six is that they make three resin sculpts, right? They discontinued yeah. the PVC, so they're giving you two sets of the three resin sculpts they have. So it makes total sense why they're doing it because right now it's not hard plastic, and it's probably not going to be hard plastic. And they're cool models. I mean, I had. I had to like, they do take a lot of cleanup and I had to, um, I used some putty to fill gaps, but I molded the putty to look like energy trendles. So instead of just having energy beneath them, the idea is that so they're sort of flying through the, like out through the portal into the real world. So there's still trendles of the like void energy on them. And then I've been having fun. Uh, like I said, I finished impalers. I have, uh, I'm working on skiffs and I'm mounting them on like acrylic rod clear acrylic rod to just give them some height and again i just uh did mo- more putty underneath them just to make the little magical cloud that they're flying on a little bit more uh expansive did you end up going with one eighth of an inch rod yeah i just used the bigger one i got like three sizes and was like checking them out and looking at them and uh i like the stability of the bigger one now I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the the uh I'll do the pilot I think I kind of want to have something else in there to, to be interesting and I saw one idea I forget who it was someone on the Facebook was commenting that the Dungeon Saga Origins that they're getting ready to ship has some Twilight Kin people with bows. So I'm thinking those might look cool in the skiffs. This is the skiff unit. Yeah, and this makes no sense to me, man. Uh, I I like the skiff model. I know some people it's like love it, some people don't. But it has a shooting attack, right? And on the boat, the little a bolt thrower, like literally, it's like so small. It makes absolutely <laughs> no sense. It's like shooting <laughs> shooting a little nail gun. It's like a little nail, and it's just like. Oh man, it it just doesn't make any sense, uh, model design wise. So that's why if I have a guy on the boat with a bow that reads shooting attack, you know, a little bit better, I think. I think the scale on the various uh, models in the Twilight Kin army kind of throw people off because they are different. They are they are wildly different, right? But I think with that army, it makes sense in the sense that these these creatures have been tainted by the void and they've come out, and obviously you got these impalers that are these giant things. And then you've got these itty bitty crones, right? Or these little boats. So visually it does. It's a little jarring seeing the different scales. Um, but I think from a background perspective, I, th- I think, I think we can, you can explain it. Yeah. I think it still looks going to look cool all, all together, but yeah, some of the scaling is, is a little wonky. You can on like 11, 12, how many skiff units are you running? Only two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here's what I want to say about that. If you heard, and I said this, and then uh, on our Discord chat, if you heard, oh my gosh, a list went 5-0 and and won a tournament this weekend. And you're like, yes, that happens every tournament. In every tournament, there's a list that goes undefeated probably and wins a tournament. So if, just by saying something's 1-1 thing doesn't mean it's necessarily... 
bad. And then also, too, are good, are amazing. Also, too, it's like, oh, well, look at these players who are now playing Twilight Kin, like Corey Reynolds or whoever. They're winning games. And it's like these people win games all the time. So, yeah. So the skiff is, in my opinion, one of the, like, as far as value per point, is a crazy value. It, it, for 150 points plus its shooting attack, you're getting a, you're, you are getting a lot for those points. But I mean, just having played it so much, it's only speed seven. So if you're playing an alpha strike army, you're going to shoot once and then get charged. If that, you know, if you're still only hitting on fours, I don't know. It, it's it's a good unit. Don't get me wrong. It's like a, one of the sleeper, you know, really good value units. But until Twilight Kin starts winning every tournament, and to me, it's not even about what faction is winning tournaments, it's who's winning the tournament. If all of a sudden you start hearing a name playing Twilight Kin that's never won anything ever before, then okay. But when it's like, that's right. It's one of the things when it's not so much what the army is, but who's driving it. I mean, you look at who wins big events and it's always the same people. So, Well, that's something where oh, those huge, those heavy skew lists like that, I always think I, I have a negative kind of, connotation to them i guess when i think about them in my own head i i don't usually like them very much but my one weird thing with the with the void skiffs is that i think correct me if i'm wrong i think it's the only regular chariot in the game right i think all the other chariots are irregular um hold on i don't i don't think so i think the uh i mean emperor does they're sure it's they unlock yeah. Oh, do they? And I, okay. And I think Basileia, the Sisterhood Chariots okay. unlock. All right. But yeah, it was just, I, I think, I can't imagine trying to fight that list that was at Forge. It was like eight regiments of them, three captains on the skiffs, and then I think they had uh, three of the uh, weakness uh, crones, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Three of the weakness. And so, yeah, it was just so many angles to cover from being shot to being charged to being flown. Oh, it was just, I think it was probably. Any list like that's going to be a nightmare. Which again, somebody good who's not me probably could have, you know, come up with a good way to defend themselves and, and fight that. But I'm always going to see that. Just go. Let, let's get this over with so I can go play my next game, which will be fun. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> a new, it's a new unit, right? So people got to figure out how to play against it. You know what? What are the ways that you defend against it? Uh, and I mean, I think in every clash pack, there's going to be. I mean, there's like the book you they always talk about it. It even has a name like the boogeyman list or the gatekeeper list or whatever you want to call it. Every uh, iteration of the game is going to have in that ecosystem a list that is sort of oppressive. And then it just comes down to how best do you prepare to fight against it? Like how best did you prepare to fight against Scorch Wings? You know, people are going to have to ask that, ask and answer that strategic question. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing against Twilight Kent every week for since they came out. I uh, played them at the event, uh, not the the spam chariot list, but the other list that came that was playing top table against the chariot spam. And we're going to see how it shakes out. It's too early to make a judgment. My initial reaction is they're a little they're a little powerful. So every army has a weakness. They have counters to most weaknesses, right? Like you said, scorch wings. Well, scorch wings shoot to cover. They have a penalty to hit. Weakness in all the spells that they have uh, don't take cover penalties. You know, uh, it's absurd, right? Like the, the amount of damage that they can do over the course of six turns. I think too, like if you look at Fleet Warden, you know, with the upgrades, they're they're fifteen seventeen, but needs to rally nineteen. Pretty good for a hundred and fifty five point regiment, right? Nineteen nerve. I, I I would say that you can't point to any one thing 
but they've gotten so many little things when you add it up, it's tough. Now, the one thing I haven't tried yet is just to shoot the out of them. <laughs> and, and that's what I'm doing next. I'm bringing goblins. <laughs> I've tried everything else. I've tried to grind salamander lists and I just can't, I can't bust it. I mean, it's, you know, the, the unit that you're so that we, we talked a lot about Jeremy, that big, big, big giant horde that the ensnare, they're difficult to deal with, man. Uh, mm-hmm. The only yeah. way I can get them is typically throw a Phoenix into them and let them deal with them for a couple turns. Top tip. If you are playing against Twilight Kin and they have a lot of infantry, don't charge them, <laughs> make them charge you hindered. That's the trick because what they want you to do is charge in there hindered. They have ensnare, they have phalanx, they have all this other crap, and then they—that's they, when they get you. So you got to make them come out of their comfort zone. So I, I think shooting might be a way to do that, but I, I don't know yet. I'm I'm still struggling. I mean, I'm like one win and twenty five losses against it. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think you have so many different things. You have ma- you have matchups, you have armies, you have play styles. You know, one person's experience in a different sort of format can be different. What are you losing to? I mean, like when you lose. What's beating your Twilight Kin list? I think I think Halflings is really tough against them. I think uh, Army Wide Spell Ward is really hard. Yeah, and I think that the the counter shooting from the Poachers in the uh, Halfling list is good. And uh, it's another list that has lots of like uh, smaller, numerous smaller threats. Because in the end, you're still playing Elves, so you still can you can in in the difficulty of running the Crones, you need to eliminate the opponent's unit strength. So if I'm running the, if you're running the triple crone build, I, the last thing I, I'm really trying to manage my units because often at the end of the game, your three crones are alive plus one, you know, you don't have unit strength to win at the end of the game. So usually oftentimes when I've lost, it's because of that where I have so many points and things that don't score or things that don't score efficiently that if you have anything not go your way, you're in a tough spot. Um, I think that the, uh, people are kind of finding out what the best units in the list are, and they're kind of not what you typically would think in an army, which in and of itself is a little bit of a brain puzzle. And then in Twilight can, I think it's best units or it's top five units or it's regular infantry stuff or it's regular stuff. It's the fleet wardens or the corsairs, and it's them in combination with the planar apparition and the and the navigator giving them the special buffs and the void captain giving rally. So to me, the magic of the army is how the core infantry interacts with a couple core characters, and you create a sort of like the epitome of the don't go there box, where it's not so much the monster death box, but it's if you come into that space you you're you're and don't and don't do what you want to do which is that's the whole thing of twilight kin right it's trying to make you not be able to do anything efficiently by weaknessing you or ensnare or phalanx or whatever and then you get counter counter punched by a horde of infantry that hits on fours with elite and crushing strength one and vicious and 30 attack <laughs> you know the a horde of the fleet warrens they are a hammer I mean, they're bona fide. They will do 10 to 15 damage against anything. That's the thing. It's weird. They're not elves, though, because they're, they're defense four, which is kind of strange to me. If they were three, you'd have more of a chance, right? But, you know, it, it'll resolve itself. If, you need if to try to out-position. The thing is, you are still slow. 
So I think that we might see more speed come into the game maybe to deal with Twilight Kin because you do not want to allow Twilight Kin to move up and then get settled. Once they move up and get settled where they want to be, it's actually a very difficult army to move through combat because you have big shield, you have phalanx, you have heal. You know, once the Twilight Kin player has set his defensive line and is like, you now charge, you know, charge me. I think you're right, Rob. I think you want to maybe not fight where the Twilight Kin player wants you to fight. My, my tip is spread out as much as you can. In that game on the tournament, I played all 72 inches, the whole table. Spread out. I had two hex. I'm as hex on every freaking turn, right? Mm. And hex that planer. <laughs> and you know what? When that planer goes and, and casts heal and he gets eight, because if the planer goes down, your chances of winning go up. Yes. See, that's the thing is people got to see that the, the it's, and I don't even, it's like, you know, it's like uh, it's spilling all the sauce about how to like beat my army, but it's totally valid, which is what makes the Twilight King go or all, how all the things interact with each other. So if you have a chance to, to hex the planer or kill the planer, you take the planer out because then the impalers aren't getting healed. You know what I mean? Or I have an option option uh, to go disorder or do combat damage to the navigator. Okay, and then now all of a sudden, you know, there's no vicious aura. So Twilight Kin really hurts when all the synergies are working together. And uh, you know what I mean? And then it becomes really a, a, a challenge. But again, we've seen two tournaments. So it's just like such a small, shockingly small table uh, sample size. All I can say is that like, and I'm not tuning my own horn as far as like, oh my God, I'm so good. But I do play like against a lot of really good players and I'm winning in as much as I am losing. But again, I'm not trying to build an absolute cheese list. I'm trying to build like what's the best combined arms list that takes all the models I want. So maybe I'm at 80% of the pedal when some of these lists are, are 100% of the pedal. But at 80% of the pedal, it doesn't feel too good when I'm playing it. In many ways, I feel like the Twilight King with Glade Stalkers was better in some ways. But the, the one thing is it, it's a frustrating army. to. It's not fun to play against. Yeah, just oh, yeah. It's not fun to play against because people say, well, just have a counter. I have no counter to weakness. I have no yeah. counter. All you got to hit is one time out of four dice and it doesn't take any penalties. So the, what's the odds of hitting a four out of four dice? I mean, and that makes total sense, Rob, because that's kind of like how the army's meant to work, which is mess with what you're trying to do and just be like, oh, no, you can't do that. Or you can't have any of your fun toys or you have to do this. Ha ha. You know, and maybe that is not the funnest to uh, play against, but. Well, and you saw the guy who won our event at Forge got like a 13 for sports. Nobody wanted to play that. And they <laughs> they, they, they they showed him on the sports score. And if you run that list that you should, you should, uh, you have to own what you're doing when you run a list like that. Oh, no. And he did. I mean, before the tournament even started, he, he was like, I'm literally playing this list so that they will try to make it. So this list, this list specifically cannot exist. This nine chariot regiments, three chariot characters and three weakness spellcasters. Uh, so we'll, we'll just wait and see, you know, see how uh, the data comes in and they'll make adjustments based on, you know, if, if it is too powerful. Like you, we mentioned Scorch Wings earlier. I mean, those went up by 200 to 215 at Horde. I think that's going to help a little bit. You'll have less of them. Yeah, if it turns out that the skiffs are too good, which I'm still on the fence about, but if that list does start, I think that's an easy way you can fix a list like that. You just make it a little bit more expensive. It's just in Twilight Kin, that becomes a real issue because part of the skiffs, why it's so good, is in Twilight Kin doesn't have cheap uh, unlocks. 
that's one of its cheapest unlocks at around 150 points, you know? So if you increase that points, you you are feeding into an issue that is already difficult to manage in Twilight Kins, which is unlocking, but maybe that's that's the price you pay, but or make the make the shooting attack more expensive, you know what I mean? Add on, I don't know. But I'm still unconvinced it's overpowered. So we'll see. Like you said, six months from now, I think the answer will have an answer to this question. Well, should we talk about Forge GT, Chase? Oh, yeah. God, that was so fun. Well, why don't you give us a little background on Forge? You've been there a couple of straight years, right? You've been two years in a row. Oh, uh, yeah. So, so I went uh, last year and this year both. Um, so it's just a straight up tournament. No funky characters, no funky scenarios, anything like that. Just five games in a weekend of uh, of Kings of War. This year, he changed it up a little bit, went to 2,400 points. Um I know some people were uh, were kind of pressuring him jokingly a little bit to make it twenty five hundred. So I don't know if that's why he went up a little bit, but uh, it, was not, it was definitely nice to get another hundred points of of herd on the table. He did a few things different this year. He he had a thing called World Builder where he had people bring terrain. And so he did like that a, last year too. Oh, did he? Okay, well, yeah. It's just you had to come to know that, you know. Exactly. Well, I chickened <laughs> out last year. This year, I, I I showed up. So what were you playing? Uh, so I was playing herd. Um, which is uh, the army I've been doing for the last year or so. Um, They're absolutely awesome. Uh, Super fun army. Just, I mean, alpha strike fast, smash you right in the mouth. If I can't do that, I'll get around you with all my flying nimble speed 10 crap I bring. Um, But just, yeah, really, really, really fun army to play. What was in your list? Uh, So I had... Uh, the core of my list was I had um, a regiment of the uh, Minotaur Chariots, which I upgraded to the uh, unique upgrade for the Stampede. Uh, then I had another, I had a Horde of the Chariots uh, with uh, Jesse's Boots of Striding, because uh, you absolutely have to get that charge off if you're playing with a Horde footprint of those. Uh, I had two Bray uh, Strider uh, Centaur Regiments. And then I brought uh, Great Chieftain with Wings of the Honey Maze and Horn of Great Migration, who I, this is the first time I'd used him. And after doing the uh, the Herd Army review with every single other person on there, talking him up like that, I had to try him out. And he put in some serious work over the weekend. Definitely more than his, you know, 150 points worth. Uh, I brought Moon Moon, uh, Avatar the Father, uh, best dragon in the game. Hell yeah. And, uh, and then I brought the formation. Uh, my last two units, which I felt like were the only ones that I didn't really build into my list and kind of build it around, was my Longhorns Regiment and my Guardian Brute Regiment, uh, or Guardian Brute Horde, I mean, with uh, Brew of Sharpness, which is just a nasty beat stick. And I brought Salamanders, unsurprisingly. 2,400 points. It was fun having the extra 100 points. It was a lot of fun. So I, uh, I, I started to get on the Ancient Train, so I had a troop and a regiment of Ancients, one with the Orb of the Regiment had the Orb of Towering Presence, had a horde of ceremonial guard, two tyrant hordes, one with sharpness and one with striding boots. I had a horde of scorch wings. I had two rhino cav naked. Uh, I had two phoenixes. One was an ancient. I had a mage with, uh, for now, because this is the old rules, fireball, heal three and uh, hex two. And then a Gekatoa Skylord with the important tricksters wand hex two. So it was awesome. I had 29 unit strength, you know. It was a lot of, you know, it, it was only 12 units, but it was a lot of unit strength, right? And it was, uh, it was fun. Um, so let's talk about this, Chase. Uh, we were recording the Herd Army review. I'm sure people heard that. 
that we kind of, I, I kind of poked the bear and you, you challenged me. And so we, we played in, in round one and <clears throat> looking back on it, it's still probably, it's still like, it's gotta be a top three game of all time. I mean, just, it was the, the sheer insanity of it was, was something to behold. Now, the night before you played in an ambush event and by winning that event, you got to pick the scenario. And as any proper herd player would do, you picked. Yes, as you do. So I don't actually mind invade though, right? Because I have a pretty fast army. I've got like, not not as fast as herd, but I mean, I have some flyers. I have 14 inch, you know, large cav. I've got, you know, tyrants that can charge up to 15. So it was like, eh, okay. So what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, obviously we didn't, I didn't look at your list and I'm sure you didn't look at my list before, but when we racked up there, what I didn't, I just, I built, I, I built what I wanted and that's what I took, but kind of we got to the table. What were your thoughts? So I knew you were going to bring salamanders. Um, and I knew I was going to be faster than you across the board. Maybe not every single unit, but I, overall I'd be faster than you. And, uh, most, I mean, probably half my stuff in the list hits like a, a freaking truck. So I knew if I could pick my charges when I wanted them, I'd be able to take off, your units hopefully in single charges or double charges and then just move on from there and not try to grind you out because with two phoenixes that was just not going to happen but so that was the game plan going in and um it didn't quite work out that way but (laughs) it was still pretty awesome it was insane is what it was right so we kind of deployed pretty pretty wide oh yeah your far right was yeah ceremonial horde rhinosaur cav horde uh your scorch wings behind the ceremonial guard i think uh, and then you had your ancient phoenix over there, I believe. Probably. Uh, and then uh, I had a mage your, over there, yeah. I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With with hex, which was really useful, right, Rob? It was. Hide four hex is always great, right? <laughs> uh, against an army with no spells. <laughs> right. And I had two hexes, not only one, yeah. I had two. Yeah. Uh, and then everything else was on the left, uh, more like left flank. And I think all I had in the center was one horde of tyrants. Mm-hmm. Yep. And talk to me about your setup. Uh, so, uh, starting on my left was, uh, guardian brutes, uh, centaurs in front of them, um, longhorns, uh, another group of centaurs, uh, the middle was avatar, of the father, right in the middle of the board on the 12 inch line, just to, you know, threatening, um, my, uh, my great chieftain was pretty close to him because what's scarier than 20 inch flying dragon is a 21 inch charging flying dragon. Uh, my right side was both Minotaur chariots. Uh, I think my harpies were on the right side and, uh, moon moon. Uh, and then I kind of had my tribal trappers were kind of like right center, sort of, they had scattered up and in, into terrain and we're waiting for you. And I, did I win the first turn? Yes. Obviously you're going to get the charges you want. So yeah. I went ahead and was playing a little aggressive, right? So I went ahead and moved up a little bit. I think the only thing that happened in that first round, um, I did have some cheeky shooting to one of your trapper units in the woods. Yeah, that was brutal. And then I think rolled like a 10 or 11 and, and just took them Twice. off. Right away. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was rough. What a jerk. You, you, we haven't got to the fun stuff yet. So it's all, it's all swings and roundabouts here, my friend. It's all about karma. Yeah. It went well for me in the first round. And you did really good. Cause my only real charge, you'd set your, uh, rhinosaur cab on the left up to where I couldn't really charge them. So my only real charge turn one for me on that flank was your horde of uh, ceremonial guard. And I really didn't want to do that. So so I kind of held there. Uh, we moved up both of us pretty aggressively on the right flank, though. 
Um, and we were in combat by turn two on that flank. Uh, pretty much everything, I feel like. You're, so then it was turn two for you. Uh, your rhinosaur on the left charged my centaurs and did like 10 wounds or something like that. And then did fail to break them, which was hilarious. With a four. I think I needed like a five or a six. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, I looked out. Because the way you played your, the way you placed your guardian brute, yeah, uh, there was a blocking piece of terrain. So if you would have double charged, you couldn't slide the brace riders out of the way like, yeah. far enough over so they could double charge. Because I was fully expecting them to be dead. I was just like, okay, I'm 100%. feeding them so that I can take your, you know, your uh, rhinosaur cav out with my disgusting beat stick of thirty attacks on threes with crush one thunder. Did the one. guardian boots ever get into combat the entire game? Uh, they did at the end. They were what uh, finally finished off your uh, ceremony guard. guard. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You're going to hear some some dice rolls that didn't necessarily go in either <laughs> our favor, but I did roll a four, and I was like, ah. But it wasn't the end of the world, like I said. Nope. But then on your turn, that's, I think, turn two is when you kind of, on the on my left flank, your right, that's when you kind of brought everything up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my avatar of the father did a whopping two wounds to your, to your uh, ancient's troop, which was horrible and terrible. But, uh, and then I charged... Uh, chariots into the ancients and i think did i don't know eight or nine wounds i think to him the first round didn't 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 break them because i whether they're dash 17 or something crazy like that yeah and then uh moon moon had gone in i think with that first regiment of uh chariots into your and your ancients but it was it lines were clashing on that side all over the place uh and then threw my poor harpies to sacrifice right in front of your uh rhinosaur calf on that yeah flank. that was smart play just block them up yeah yeah, they had to. Otherwise, it was going to be double charged on my chariots. But So on my next turn, I'm like, all right, it's time for the rhino cav. Surely the rhino cav can finish off the brace riders, right? <laughs> so I don't remember how many wounds I did. It was a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I rolled. I, that, this was my first snake eyes, I think, of the yeah. game. I, just, I had four in the game. This was the least, though. I, I didn't really. That actually played out okay because the fact that they were still there meant the guardian brutes were still tied up. So, you know, I didn't mind it. Uh, it did allow you to countercharge them, and that's when you brought your great chieftain into the flank there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You didn't get him. Nope. And then I remember on the next turn, this was another fun thing that didn't happen. <laughs> I, ceremonial guard, charged the great chieftain, and I rolled snake eyes again. <laughs> and because of that, I wasn't able to get the, yeah, anyways, I wasn't able to get, you know, to, to get the overrun so um it is it is what it is because i could have po- potentially finished off the bracers but so all right that was that was number two at that point it was comical right you're like okay yeah, this is yeah we're already game. laughing about it uh and then i think on my turn two uh so you had charged your scorch wings into my longhorns on turn two and did uh, you know five or six wounds or whatever it was so i counter charged and i think i did 12 to them with my longhorns and then snake eyes them. You snake eyes them. Exactly. Right. Yes. Which was absolutely horrible because next turn they were going to have a flank on either rhinosaur cav or the ancients or not. Sorry, not the ancients, the um, ceremonial guard because they couldn't reach. They, they, they double ones, the, uh, the great chieftain. So they didn't reform. And then, uh, yeah, but they were stuck fighting 12 wounded, scorch wings which was lovely and then i think at some point on that same flank you brought the 
the trapper character out of the woods mm-hmm. to help. Yep, yep. She had to ground the she had to ground the phoenix. And I'm like, oh, I think I think you just made a mistake, right? Because <laughs> it, 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 basically, what happened is. Uh, it was in front of your other unit of brace riders, which were fighting somebody. I can't remember. Uh, fighting, no, they were fighting the Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. By moving him out, the tyrants could then potentially reach and get a two-inch overrun uh, yeah. into into the in, into the unit. And as I pointed out, you're like, oh man. <laughs> but don't worry, I rolled a one for the overrun. <laughs> so then the avatar of the father gets a flank charge in the tyrants. And you know what happens when that happens? Uh, tyrants die. Uh, so that was, uh, that was an interesting, don't roll so bad, Rob. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem here. It, it was a big problem for him in this game. Yeah. It was insane. We were just exchanging blows and blows and blows and blows and everything's dying. So we're, we're getting to like turn five, turn six. There's not a lot left on the table. <clears throat> you got some guardian brutes. I have an ancient Phoenix, but we get to, I have Rhino Kev on all the way on the left and you have Moonfang over there with some, was it trappers? Maybe. I think it was. So we get into this tangle where I need to kill your unit strength. So I kill the trappers for obvious reasons. Moonfang goes in, and by the, by this point, there's already a fair amount of damage on the Rhino Cav. Moonfang kind of flubs it, and you needed an eight to pop him, I think, and you rolled a seven. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I did my little happy dance, <laughs> right? And then this is now. I mean, let's just set the stage. This is this is the top of six now. We're talking, right? Yeah, no unit strength left for you on the left side. On my left, you're right. Correct? I, I, so I all I had was the Rhino Cav. Yes. On my left. And all I had on the right was an Was it your Phoenix. wizard? Your, or your, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I still had a mage left who will play into that in a minute. He's, the fact he was still hanging around was a good thing. And so top of six, what I need to do, you have your unit strength. You have Moonfang. You have the Avatar, and you have the Guardian Brutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I need to knock, you know, that's, what is that? Uh, five unit strength to my four unit strength. So I got to mm-hmm. kill some. So Mage Priest with Fireball, he's been shooting him for t- for done for two turns, but I, I think <laughs> that was the final turn. I actually got him finally, right? Knocked out the Guardian Brutes. You have Moonfang, and you have the Avatar of the Father. The mm-hmm. Rhino Cab charged Moonfang, and then I wavered him nine wounds the first round or something and, and wavered him. Yeah. So I did a lot of happy dance because I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to charge him again. Or I guess the top of seven, I'm going to get a, a free shot on him because he's going to be dead. Right? Like, I mean, I all got to do is one wound and I'll pop him. So I, I fly avatar the father to your side of the board to get, you know, strength over there. And I have right now, and I have four on your side because I have the, the horde of uh, rhinos and I have the, uh, the, the Phoenix. So then top of seven hits and you charge Moonfang again, fresh charge. Wavered. So you get your thunder mm-hmm. and, and uh, bring him up to 20 wounds uh, and then snake eyes again. <laughs> and I got to see Chase's happy dance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because now, you know, as he can finish those off, we're probably going to, it's, it's going to be a draw, right? And it, it was still pretty iffy on, I mean, I think I needed, if I did a wound, I think I still needed like, a 10 or something to, uh, to, to kill him. And, uh, he did with his three dice because he's devastated. Now he does one wound just enough to get a nerve. Someone forgot that he has regen. Yeah. Regen four plus by the way, which was, but you probably didn't forget that the rest of the weekend, right? I didn't actually, I did not know, but, uh, yeah. So, so he's devastated. So, but he gets one wound on and I roll like an 11 
for the nerve world. No inspiring over there. So Rhinosaur Cav gone, and now we're tied. Bottom of seven. One unit strength on his side, and he's got one on my side. End of the game. It was an insane game. I mean, lots of dice. There was a few spikes. Um, you you picked up the ancients. I remember with like a like a ten twice. Yeah, uh, the ancient regiment. I was like, oh, that I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> trappers popping the trappers on the first turn. Wasn't expecting that. But other than that, it was a crap show of dice for us. <laughs> uh, I think there was a total of five snake eyes and many many nerve rolls under five. Yeah, it, it was, was it was bad. brutal. Sounds wild, but it was awesome. Yeah, when we when we added up. It was a pure 10-10 draw. You had Moonfang and an Avatar of the Father, mm-hmm. and I had an Ancient Phoenix and a Mage Priest. Yeah. That was it. And the difference had to be 501, I think, was the lowest to, to have a different for a trip, which was a theme for me for the weekend. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Game. Like, I, I'm still, like, buzzing about it, though, because the whole weekend I was like, you're kind of going to believe this. I mean, because <laughs> you know, I, t- I should start to tell people, and I'm like, you can't make it up. Yeah. That many cinematic moments that happen. You're just like, you can't make that up. You just, you can't, you can't. It's just, I don't know. Unbelievable. Great, great start. And in retrospect, I think that actually helped me do pretty good on the first day. Cause you know, that 10 points in the first game, let me kind of, and you kind of fly under the radar. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause then we weren't playing the, you know, Keith Randall's, although Keith Randall was not playing the Keith Randall's either, but no, well, that was the thing. That was a weird tournament, right? Like, yeah. The people that were undefeated at the end of the day, you're like, who are these guys? And the people that were well down on the list, you're like, whoa, you know, Keith Randall had a bad start, but he pulled it out. I think he ended up going three and two. We should congratulate Keith Monarch. He uh, he took it out with the dirty Twilight Kin list. And then Kevin Drury came in second. And then Nathan Clevenger, the ringer, the ringer, I'm yeah. air quoting here. <laughs> uh, and then Andy Patton, Keith Randall and Jeff Bodine. So it was, it was a good tournament. I think I ended up finishing 10th. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And where did you finish? Oh, and you finished one 13? under counter charger. Oh no. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure at Memphis, I was one over counter charger. <laughs> and you played John Blakemore, who was our counter charger, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was a fantastic game. That was where I got to see uh moon moon and all his glory of regen, because I think John probably put like 15 to 18 wounds on moon moon over the course of the game. And he ended with like two or three, which is just absolutely fantastic. It was fun. There was a lot of a lot of fun players there. A lot of unique lists. Um, got to play against a couple spam lists. Uh, I got to play against uh, uh, Brian Tucker's. How many How many troops of fans was it? Ten. I I think it was either nine or ten. Did you get to play that that list, uh, Chase? No, no, I did not have to play that list. I I, I got to play uh, Bryce with his five Glade Stalker regiments. Which, uh, and you beat God, him got, too, right? I, I did. I got my first turn saved. Getting first turn absolutely saved me in that game because that would have been an entirely different game had I not. Chase, you know, who did you play in the tournament? So I played, so we had our game, which was absolutely amazing. And then I did, John Blakemore was round two, who played a lot of defense six dwarf stuff. Um, and again, I got first turn and we play, it was loot the second scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So, Herd versus dwarves, I get first turn on loot. You're licking your lips. He, like, he uh, should have won that game strategy and tactics wise for sure. But that was the that was the scenario and that was the situation. And uh, so I I pulled it out at the very end, uh, which was great. And 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 it's always fun playing John. Uh, then my next game was Bryce. My last game of the first day was Bryce, which was the five uh, 
Glade Stalker regiments. And, and the more annoying part of his list was, I think he had six individuals. All of them shot something and hit at least okay in melee. So it was like he had six individuals he could chaff my horde of chariots up with whenever he wanted or or tack on a couple extra wounds shooting to whatever it was. But that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, day one or day two, uh, game one, I played Devlin, which I've played him once before, and that's always fun. By round three, uh, <laughs> uh, Brian Trahan had already finished his game with Keith Randall. They were done in, I think, like 50 minutes or something like that. <laughs> uh, and so he just came over and spectated the rest of our game and was, you know, Mr. Commentary the whole time. <laughs> uh, he, he got over about turn three, and it was looking bad for me. It was looking like I was going towards a tabling, like real bad. And we should say Devlin's playing Glade Stalkers, right? Yeah. So he had, yeah, it was like three Glade Stalkers, two of the Greater Earth or uh, Greater Air Elementals, an Air, Air Elemental Horde, and Nimue, who I always hate. I hate Nimue so much. It's the cloak of death. Is it true, Rob, now that Devlin has like leveled up? He's like Devlin 2.0. I heard he's like plays that list really well, the Sylvan Kid list. I mean, he's doing good with that list. Yeah. I thought, I mean, yeah, he, he was definitely kicking my butt. Um, but it was like towards last couple turns of the turns of the game, uh, I kind of turned it around and it was looking pretty close at the end. It was like a couple higher nerve rolls and it would have been really close. Um, but his one unit that was just wild to me was he had a, a regiment of Gur Panthers with the orb of towering presence. So this is a speed 10 nimble unit that has four unit strengths, right? So, and we were playing control. So it's a scenario where he's just like, anywhere I want to put this, here's four unit strength whenever I want to put it there. But yeah, it was it was closer at the end of the game. Um, and he wavered, oh my God, he wavered Avatar the Father, I think, uh, three rounds in a row, which was absolutely painful. Um, but my chief on that game, uh, really, my chief and my... Um, Trapper hero actually really saved me in that game because she actually wavered his uh, the special unit of the knight uh, or the elf knights. I forget what they're called. Um, Silver Breeze or Silver Storm, whatever the hell. Stormwind Scoop. Cavalry. Yeah, whatever stupid elf. The ones that don't shoot. Have. Yeah. So he brought one of those with extra thunderous charge on it. She wavered him so they couldn't do anything. And then my chief killed them the next round. Um, which was great, but absolutely fantastic game. And then my last game was uh, Jeff Bodine against his ogres, which, oh my God, six, I think it was six ogre heroes, which all either had big ass crossbows or lightning bolt. And that mm-hmm. was, <laughs> yeah, uh, another really good game though. Really, really close at the end. So you went two, two and one. So two wins, two losses and a, and a draw. Yep. Same as me actually. So obviously we drew in the first round. And then mm-hmm. I got to play Brian Trahan in the second round. I play Brian all the time. <laughs> I kind of know how this is going to go, but it went a little bit. You know, you know how the, well, you, here's the thing. We know like with, when, when me and him play, we know on the first turn who's going to win, right? And mm-hmm. I shot off all three units of Snow Foxes on the first turn. And I was Oof. like, okay, I got this one, right? And yeah. he, he was like, golly. Because if the Snow Foxes get into me, then it's like it, 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 it limits what I can do. But if I can yeah. kill off those guys quick. Yeah, we, we, we actually fought each other on the uh, the ambush night. He's a super fun guy to play. Super fun. Oh, yeah, guy. absolutely. 
So, yeah, and then the third round, I played Ryan Tucker with his uh, Phantom Spam. I don't know. It was 10 troops, Shadow Hulk, uh, a Void Lurker, three hordes of zombie uh, scarecrows, and two units of the dogs, and not a lot of sticking power, a lot of punchy power on that. I mean, the Shadow Hulk could do me in because it's got Slayer, but, you know, the Void Lurker uh, kind of goaded them into charging a troop of Ancients, and then three turns later, it's still there. So that worked out in my favor. Uh, and then, like I said, the Phantoms, they just don't, you know, the Phantoms are great at, like, knocking off TC or just getting in the way, but if you need them to kill stuff, not so much. So uh, that was a big win. So I'm sitting... You know, two wins and a draw on the end of day one, and then wake up Sunday morning and uh, have to play my buddy Annie Patton in the in the Twilight Kin, and I'm in it till like turn four. I've charged the Ensnare Horde for the third time or second time, and again come up like one short dude. A twenty five nerve is ridiculous. Let me just tell you that right now, it's dumb. And so you know, I came a short, and then after once I lost that flank, it kind of wrapped me up. So and then in the last game, I got to play Keith Randall. And, you know, and to my credit. Or to my luck, he was the only shooting army I played. Because my army, my army doesn't do well if it has a lot of shooting, right? Like, was, I mean, I am defense five. Uh, I, I typically am using the ancients not in a healing capacity. I'm typically using it to, like, throw a cloak of death out there or use this chaff. And so, and Keith had all the, the stuff that you like, you know, the Nimue and the Dracon formation and the Glade Stalkers and Alchemist Curse on a horse. So... He made he made short work of my army, so so I lost three, lost four to three in plunder. Because I had one, two, and a one, and then he had a two and two ones. Uh, basically, it was the center token that I that, that I didn't get. You know, in retrospect, he even said I should have been more aggressive and pushed the ceremonial guard order up. Yeah, probably right, just to try to get it. You know, but I didn't. End of the weekend, just like you, Chase. Two wins, two losses, and a draw. Ended up with ten plays, so not not too bad for the weekend. It was fun. That's just a tough list to play against. I. Uh, that uh, has all the tools. And once you hesitate even a little bit, like your instinct is to try to not run out into the middle and get shot and charge and whatever. But if you hesitate, it's good for him too. So it's like, what do you do? It's just one of those lists. That's just so difficult because you're damned. If you do damned, if you don't, when you play, uh, I, I had put the, uh, the ancient Phoenix out there just cause I was hoping to use him as chaff and he shot him off, which, you know, it's always a potential, you know, if you, if you hit them enough with enough shots, you, you can take them off. Um, so yeah, it was a great game. Keeps fun. We were done like in an hour, dude. It was like, it was super fast. Well, with that, let's take a quick commercial break on their side. Let's get back in and let's chat about what we're thankful for. We'll be right back. At Countercharge, we want to deliver the episodes you want to listen to. So do you have an idea for the show? Send us an email at countercharge15 at gmail.com. That's countercharge15 at gmail.com. Let us deliver what you want. And we are back. So uh, we decided that we wanted to just get together, do a little quick chat here about the Forge, and then also do a little just quick roundtable, what we're thankful for. You know, it's a crazy world right now. There's a lot of people dealing with a lot of really big challenges, challenges that make questions around what color should I paint this guy's little pants, like ridiculous, right? So that's one thing that comes up the bat right 
for me is just being so thankful that I, I, I am even living in a position in my life that I can have a roof over my head and have money to buy models and be able to take part in this really great hobby that is expensive. And sometimes we lose, we lose track of that, right? A little bit about we're invested in this, but really to get into miniature gaming, it is a really big expense. It is a lot of money, a lot of time. So that's one thing I'm thankful for is being, uh, having a stable life, being able to uh, have this great community, uh, this last year has sucked major balls for me in a lot of ways, but the one part of the last year which hasn't sucked has been the positive effect that miniature games and the show has in in my life. That's been like a saving grace. So I think it's good, you know, just take a moment uh, and think about, you know, what we're thankful for, what, uh, you know, cognizant and aware of the privileges and benefits that we have in our lives and you know, how do we pass that along to other people, that 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 thankfulness? Um, what's coming up for you, Rob? For me, it's the community. The community has been great this year. Every time we put, you know, we put something out that we're always getting positive energy in return. Yeah, I mean, if you just take a look at our Facebook page, we have like 1,400 people on the Facebook page now, which is crazy. Now, I realize not most of them are, you know, engaging on a daily basis. But, man, we were only at like 1,000, like just a year ago. So we've really uh, we've done something to get to get on people's radars, and I, I'm really appreciative of that. Um, what about you, Chase? You probably have a million things. <laughs> First, I'll put it on the list to be my uh, wonderful wife who puts up with me all the time. That's a tough job. Uh, she's yeah, really thanks for showing me up. Of, by the way, Th- thanks for showing me up. Yeah, there. yeah, Appreciate you're it. welcome. I hope I hope your wife's listening. Don't worry, she's <laughs> but, not. <laughs> uh, but no, she's always really supportive of me doing this kind of stuff. And, and also, I'd have to say uh, my new job. Um, I got one a uh, couple months ago. That was that's been pretty awesome to uh, not be you know out in the heat and stuff working all the time now. Um, but yeah, also I'll I'll shadow you on the community thing. It's pretty awesome to go to a a competitive event where a lot of games I think you'd have you know maybe not the best game every time. And I had five, well, one amazing game and five or four great games, like absolutely great games. Um, really didn't have any kind of issues with any players behavior wise or anything like that, that happened over the weekend, which for 20 people at a competitive event is pretty, pretty awesome. How about you, Jeremy? Well, yeah, the one thing that Rob so elegantly forgot to to mention, right. Is all the people who are in your life who help facil- facilitate the hobby. Right. You know, I think that we've always, you've, uh, different times in your life maybe you've been with a partner who didn't really like that or you are or wasn't supportive of you or like would look down on it or whatever so i think we do got to pour one on the on the sidewalk for all the hobby spouses out there who are hobby partners who see that uh why we love this so much is because of all the positive effects that it has in our lives right you know, I think that painting and hobby and all that stuff adds so much to your life that a good partner will see that you taking part in that as a way that you're practicing self-care and uh, taking care of yourself. So definitely a shout out there to all of the hobby spouses, uh, the hobby partners, you know, stuff like that. I said it before, I'll say it again. I mean, um, yeah, it, it, I guess I'm just thankful the community is con- and the game is is continuing to grow. Yeah, thanks, well, you know, thanks to Mantic, you know, I think Ro- uh, Kyle and Ronnie are always happy to come on the show. 
So thanks a lot to uh, the Mantic team for all of the uh, support that they're not only giving us, but giving all the other content creators out there, all the other people who are making either podcasts or battle reports or YouTube channels, wh- whatever you're doing in the in the gamer game Mantic space sphere. You know, that's how we're going to grow our game is continue to make great content, play great games, paint great armies. So, you know, shout out to everyone else who's tipping their dipping their toes into the uh, sort of Mantic and Mantic adjacent games as far as content producing. I keep sharing, right? When you have a cool model or a cool story or a cool picture, shout out to John Blakemore. He's always right on point. He goes to all these events and he always takes lots of pictures and he posts it. And I just, even if I'm not at that event, I love when people post pictures from an event to see the cool armies and the people that were there and the great games that were going. I just, uh, it makes you feel like I was there. And I think that, you know, we all have not just the community at large, right? I think we all have our, our local groups. I mean, Kyle uh, Poole posted on the Facebook cave, uh, a Facebook page about his chat cave. And I know I, I have one. We have the Sweat Lodge, which is me, Kyle Timberlake, Brinton, and uh, Rashad. So sh- we do a lot of like talking about lists or just life or whatever. So definitely shout out to the Surge and Destroy guys. And also my UB partners been playing so much with Tom and Keith and Adam and all you guys, uh, you know. Glad to, to have an online community going so that for those of us who don't have people close to play, we can still take part in like the game. So lots of good stuff to come out of the last year, I think. And also, thanks to you guys for uh, all the content you guys produce. I know before Rob reached out to me, um, I was just, you know, drowning down here in Mississippi humidity and, you know, not playing any games really or anything like that. And then he's kind of just was like, hey, uh, you know, come on up to Memphis, try out that tournament. So I did. And he's also the one who introduced me to uh, Joseph uh, down here in New Orleans, who's my, uh, the guy I play with uh, about once a month. We, we, we drive back and forth, get a couple games in so we can keep, uh, keep playing the game. We love nice. Uh, I'd also like to give a, a shout out to troll horde games. If it, if you're like me and you don't have a store in the area that supports Mantic in any way whatsoever, troll horde games, absolutely awesome online retailer great prices great selection and he'll add pretty much anything that's not on there if he can get it he'll add it on there there's probably six different items i've asked him over the last two years to add that mantic makes and he just calls kyle and is like hey can i get this on here and you know two days later it's up there for sale well and chris is such like a perfect example rob i know i don't know if you've ever bought anything when i need something and i need it right away he's the guy yeah well another company that like uh, uh which Chris had really, I'd, I'd gotten so used to buying stuff off of someone who like actually cares. I used to buy, I don't know if you ever bought anything from um, Chaos Orc Superstore before. Um, I have. Yeah. And I used to shop with them back in the day, back in, like when I was first getting into Mantic and it was like always on time, great customer service. The last three times I bought something from him, from them, they've sent me the wrong thing. And then when I like send them an email, it's like, in my opinion, the exact not way you do customer service, which is one line responses and never apologizing for the fact that they sent you the wrong stuff. And then there, the suggestion to fixing it is for you to pay for shipping to send back the wrong thing that they sent you to them so that they then will send you the right thing. So, uh, 
not a great way to run a business. So, and Chris does not run it that way. A fisher of troll horde. He is super communicative, uh, great online business. If you can't support your local store, definitely good spot. And big shout out to Mantic. This clash of Kings is a real banger. It's a really great book, but lots of great. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I am just chomping at the bit of, Oh, do I go back and play kingdoms of men? What do I want to add to my salamanders? I mean, really, do I go play goblins? Do I get out night stalkers? I mean, it's a really hard decision to make. Because there's just so much cool new stuff in the book. I am extremely excited for my rack in. Not to take anything away from anyone, but the the mixture of the current members that they have on the RC, it's a very good selection of ingredients. You know, they have some really good organizers, some good rules guy. You know, it's a really nice mixture of people on there right now. So I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that this next year we're going to get continue over the next year or so. Uh, oh, and I'm super excited about the new. Uh, uh, Warpath moving forward. Yeah. The new epic scale uh, firefight universe stuff. Man, I'm I'm psyched for that. I'm psyched for getting my Dungeon Saga stuff soon. I'm appreciative that Alicia Cavator is back in the fold. Yes, that's Helping good with the too. Warpath rule set. Yeah, I mean, it's been a long time. Uh, we, we've always lo- enjoyed his games, so I'm glad to see him uh, back working with Mantic again. And that's one of the first th- thing, uh, like I had that space Marine box set back in the day of like the Adeptus Titanicus and like the original Epic were some of the first miniatures I ever owned. So I, I, I and I've been wanting to do something in that scale anyway. So I'm excited that Mantic is entering that space. Well, awesome guys. We just, like I said, wanted to get together and just, uh, give thanks. Obviously this we're the night before Thanksgiving and, you know, hopefully all of you Americans uh, have a great Thanksgiving or, or when you're hearing this, had a great Thanksgiving. And for those of you in Canada, happy Thursday. <laughs> Looking really forward to 2024. Yeah. Just remember, you know, we, we love a hobby that takes uh, that you can't do by yourself for the most part. So just remember we are a community, try to treat each other how you want to be treated. All those, all those nuggets, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Don't play lists like Keith Randall does. Um, you know, all those, all those things. Uh, and just, you know, realize that well, we have this great hobby and it's like, try to keep things in perspective, right, Rob? Let's try to keep things in perspective. I definitely have felt the need to say sometimes lately, like, this is why we can't have nice things. So it's just like, just remember that it's a game where we want to have fun. Let's support each other. Let's all work on, you know, painting beautiful armies, being good sportsmen. You know, think about that there's uh, there's three sides to that triangle, right? Not just winning games, just being a good dude and, you know, painting cool armies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm excited for what the future holds. And uh, we'll be recording our end of the year episode uh, next month. So I'm excited. And by the way, happy birthday. A little early, but happy birthday, Jeremy. Happy birthday, Rob. I know. Those who don't know, Jeremy and I both share uh, November 27th is our birthday. But I am turning 50 this year. So uh, super excited about that. If my wife doesn't get me anything, I'm really not going to cry about it. I have all my toys. I have all my airbrush. You know, I have all my hobby stuff. I have all my armies. I don't really need anything. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they come up with for me. But how about you? What, what are you hoping for for your birthday, Jeremy? You know, I'm the same thing. I really can't like ask for much, you know, I mean, in the scheme of things, I got a great job. I get to to help people in my job and feel like I make a difference and have great friends and great family. And, you know, I just, I I just like am looking forward to uh, going to Texas, seeing all my Texas friends in December. That's sort of like my birthday present to myself. 
is going out for sort of the spiritual successor of Living Legends. It's going to be a doubles tournament at Mark Cox's house. So, and I'm playing with Jeff, one of my best buds, and we're bringing some really uh, beautiful. Uh, we're both bringing some, trying to bring some really nice looking miniatures, and it's going to be fun. So that's really what I'm so thankful for. Is uh, here in another week and a half, I'm going to be with the people who I love most doing the thing that I love to do. So and say too, we'll have uh, undead army review recording soon. Halfling army review. Basalia trademark. We're, we're Basalia. We're in the, we're, there's we're, a bunch of stuff in the hopper. And so when you're hearing this, if you have not yet voted, we did put a pinned post on our Facebook page, asking you for what armies should be reviewed in 2024. We were focusing on the poll on the armies that haven't been reviewed in like two or three years or have never been reviewed. Like, Sylvankin. So go out there and have your voice heard and help us, uh, you know, tell us what you want to hear. And I'm really, I'm really excited for the scrying gems has an scrying gems has an episode coming out about intentional practice and intentional list design. Uh, and it's not, it's not good. It's not like a list builder studio. It's more of thinking about uh, how do you design and, and play a competitive list? Like from the lens of project manager, you know, where do you start? How do you practice? Do you let people take things back when you practice? Do you replay turns thinking intentionally and trying to be present in the moment and take intentional action when you're designing a list. So we're going to be trying to get the gems together and record that soon. So a bunch of really great uh, stuff in the hopper, like you said, Rob. Well, if, if you want to end up at the middle of the table there, Jeremy, you just pick about a thousand points of cool looking models and then try to make it work with the other thousand points. Well, that's why you're on the show. That's like the countercharge ethos, which is pay, pick the models you love. And then out of those models that you've picked, how do I make the best army possible? And that's two events, Chase, you know, right above and right below countercharger. So third time's a charm. What, it's the statistically hardest award to win, right, Rob? So absolutely. Sorry, right. I already got my ambush champion hat. You know, I'm set. I'm good. Y- you retire. Brian, Brian Trahan loves that. <laughs> well, awesome, Jeremy. You want to take us out for sure? And remember to always keep counter charging. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 